Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Right, this week on the podcast, I have the guitarist of The View. He's also shared a dressing room with Henrik Larson, Roy Keane. Uh, he's been managed by both Alan McGee and Martin O'Neill um, and his career. So we're going to talk about all this with Pete Riley for The View. Um, Pete, just to start off, we just tell us what life was like for a young Pete Riley, where he grew up and and how life shaped you early on. Oof. Just uh council estate and driver of um just Kyle right round the corner. Everybody just normal, mate, just a normal mm-hmm. normal upbringing really. Um just me and my mum. I th- I had Kieran on a, a few weeks ago. And he said he he wasn't from Driver originally. So who who was off the of Driver and then just you and Kyle? Dogs <laughs> <laughs> just jump on the table. Fucking nutter. Right, get in. Um. Yeah. He he. But his grand stayed there, so that's how we all knew each other from an early age. Right. Another thing I wanted to ask. Obviously, like when you check out the band, um, it says all the early stuff. There was another drummer, Michael. Michael Annabel, is that correct? I, I've never really. No, that's a lot. That's a lot of shit. That's somebody. That's bad journalism. Somebody ah, printed that and it, and it just stuck. It's. I think it's a fictional character, him mate. I well, that's it. I have searched for him a few times. I've never been able to find him. There's hundreds of things I want to pull you up on about all these mad stories that I've heard the last. Um, the last few weeks and I've been researching you there's hundreds of bullshit out there the, the story about how the, the band formed at school and stuff like that everybody kind of knows it personally what was your musical influences obviously everybody kind of knows about Kieran's punkier side and Kyle's into Crowded House Fleetwood Mark and all that so what about yourself what was what was your kind of big things um, it's I'm just gonna get rid of this dog. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> all right. Attacking us. What are you doing? Like, two seconds. Go on. <laughs> she's just got a wee puppy called a wee Jack Russell puppy called Mama Cass, and she's full on. <laughs> Let's just say that. You're mad. Don't mad. Um, don't uh, well, I see. What was your kind of? What was your kind of musical influences back then? Well, when I was younger than that, I used to. My mum used to hear the 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 Red and Blue Beatles albums mm-hmm. on, on tape. I used to listen to them all the time for a young age. Uh, so I was into the Beatles for the early age, and then because you talking, my mum was like in a beautiful South and that. So I was like took a wee bit of that as well, and then obviously as you grow up and start listening to Oasis and Ocean Colour scene and all that like Britpop stuff and and it just built for there really and then we're getting into Fleet with Mark and there's a lot of similar influences and then the Clash and that but it's, we didn't really differ for each other too far mm-hmm. and, said- and then, and then when, when I met when I met Phoebe my girlfriend she was she started getting this in Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Stuff like that, so it's kind right. of just keeps growing. 
you can yourself. You just keep picking up bits every time. Like the harder you get, you pick up more stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you realise early on then, like Kyle's talent and that it could go places? When, when did you when did you realise that that you could make a career at it? Fucking Kyle's just trying to get on the stage at any time he could for mm -hmm. scale talent. Primary school, he was doing backseat boxing. <laughs> he was loving it. He's always been. He's always been a singer. So his family's. He comes from a family of singers. So like it was a natural thing for him. And then obviously we got guitars when we were, we both got guitars when we were four. I was fourteen. He was thirteen for Christmas. And then we started messing about with the guitars, and he was obviously a singer. So that was like, like you're the singer, I'll be the guitarist. And then Webby was playing guitar as well, and we we were like, "Would you want to play the bass?" And that was it. That was the the start of the us playing together, doing covers and doing T Rex and Squeeze and all that gear. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, Kieran wrote Streetlights. That was that was a this you know, the sparks of the the view, and that was the start of it. Really. Right. <clears throat> Which is really nice to hear you playing that last week at Tuts. I know you, I think, oh, again in Edinburgh as well. It's, it's brilliant to hear songs like that again. I, I went doing really well. I forgot how much people really, uh, how much a fan favourite is. And maybe it's because we've not played it in a while. People were like into it. But might, I could see it creeping back in at this set because everybody really enjoyed playing it. Yeah. Going back a bit to uh, the Dun, like Dundee music in general, because all sorts of bands kind of came from from yourselves, like came off the back of you. So, what what um we what, always we always a lot and love Anna on tour with her. Uh huh. Uh, and they would we would just go around the UK, like causing riots. <laughs> End up staying in the travel lodges, and the. I'm sure, like one tour, the the law were camped outside the travel lodge, motorway travel lodges. Right. So we had a couple, we had big parties, and then they had tents outside. Ended up, we ended up in the tents more than the rooms. <laughs> I know. That, that was back, that was back when you're young and stupid, though. <laughs> just <laughs> just old and stupid. So I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the law in Louisiana. There, I mean, there's. there's there's hundreds more though, like the, the twist, um the brogues. I seen the brogues supporting you in Edinburgh. Um that was a yeah. that was a really good one. Um I took my missus to that. My missus drove us into Edinburgh and we were driving about looking for a parking space and my missus says, That looks like Kyle. And I was like, No, it can't be Kyle and he was getting carried <laughs> with two guys either side of him carrying him and like he couldn't walk. And I thought, no, it's no Kyle. And then sure as fuck, you're on stage and you get carried on stage. I think he played two songs or something and then Kieran done the rest of the set. But I, the Brogue supported you. Uh, right? well, uh, well, I just, I'm trying to blank, trying to blank them gigs out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, so, like, obviously having people like the Brogues was, Kyle's brother was in that band, leads me on to kind of when when you came out and you brought your hats off to the buskers, you had a lot of your friends around about you. You had, obviously you had Ryan McPhail doing the artwork. You had a lot of your pals in the music videos. You had Jimmy Harris. You had 
Marco Barese chips he was always in a bit. So how was it having all your pals and kind of taking your pals along for the ride at that point? Did it did it make it easier for you? As soon as uh, as soon as we signed a record deal, I think about ninety percent of our pals quit their jobs. <laughs> it was like, right, we're coming. We're we're along for the ride. It was always I was always like that. And even like when we were first getting together and starting playing, we were playing in mad twa tams and in Perth and weird wee tiny gigs and we would talk buses through with our mates and I would I would look I would look they were like, Why is this band? It's like jumping all the time. But it was mm-hmm. just our mates at the start and I kinda created a wee buzz, got people's attention and that's how we kinda got the spark early, do you know what I mean? Because of our mates, so they were always along for the ride and a big part of the, the view starting off, kind of. There are a lot, I mean, a lot of the guys when I, I'm still pals with now, just if we, if we bump into them at gigs, other than Jimmy Harris. Jimmy Harris, um, I was throwing with Jimmy Harris at the Barrowlands and I lit up a fag and then the producer <laughs> came and fucked me up. That. that was that was the <laughs> first time I've been fucked out a view gig and I've, I've been chucked out about 20 different view gigs <laughs> um, since. <laughs> Uh, so I'm I'm not gonna get through all the albums and all that, but like throughout your career, what would you say is the highlights? If you can pack it up here. The one there was obviously a headline in uh, King Tut stage at Tea in the Park. That was massive. Mm-hmm. That was that was a definite highlight. And uh, another in, another good one was going on tour with Primal Scream at the very start of career was like couldn't believe that we were on tour with like some like pure Scottish royalty basically you know what I mean uh-huh. and um supported supported Noel Gallagher at the Royal Albert Hall that was huge as well like we were only we were only like 19 and it just felt like we'd just probably still had probably still had the posters up in the, in the fucking in, in the old room at my mum's mm-hmm. thought well you know what I mean? So it's like supporting your heroes, stuff like that, mate. There's been lo- there's been loads. There's been too many. Like just getting out and touring the world and playing music, and as your job, that's the highlight for me. One of your biggest hits, the same jeans. I spoke to Kieran about this as well. Whenever you read about the View and the paper, these are referred to as the same jeans rockers. That's that's how people. That's how the papers talk about. Yeah, they just like hang that big hat on. Um, how do how do you feel yeah. personally about that song? That like, do you feel it's like like a something hanging on your neck, or are, are you quite happy to, to embrace it? No, I'm happy with it. you. Can, you kind of you can't start turning your back on your your biggest hits that made you while you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like it's a perfect pop tune, like, and it's it sounds it sounds like, like a young band because that's what we were, and obviously, like we, we've matured a bit and everybody's better on their instruments and that. But you kind of turn your back on your your big hits. That's just like that's your bread and butter, isn't it? So I'm so no got a problem with any of the tunes, right? Just I mean, I like, I love. Wasted Little DJs, which obviously ran about the same time for the same album, and 
Yeah. Sometimes and I read that, I'm like, why, why do you never mention that song? Because that's, okay, honestly, that's banging. That's what got me into you. Journalists pitch for you with your biggest hit, don't they? They do it to everybody. Mm. Like, they do it with the Rolling Stones. They're so satisfaction band. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. That's what journalists do. You're in Echo and the Bunnymen now for, for the band to the hiatus and you, you started touring with Echo and the Bunnymen. So yeah. the question kind of regards, it's kind of similar to probably your situation. Rennie's been about the band for, right from the start, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he's never been an official member of the band. What, yeah. what, what's the reason behind that? And is that like... Do you see any similarity? Well, he isn't. Elf. No, because I'm just a session musician in in the Bunny Man. Rennie's been my best pal for years. It's just he isn't in the band. It's just no. But they pictures and that. He's just he's in the boys, isn't he? He's in. We mm-hmm. we started that, and he he came he came on the second record. So there's no there's no difference in my set of if, if you want to call it official or non-official, whatever. He's in the band, and he. Do you know what I mean? Right, that's cool. That's you saying it then. That's him in the band. You'll need to get him to start doing interviews then as well. Uh, no, he's he's just he's in the he talks, uh, he doesn't do the interviews or that, but he does be pictures and that. Rennie's the glue in the band that keeps everybody together. He's a good good banter and he's good at he's just a good guy to hear about good energy. That that's another question that was going to come to as well. Like obviously so you saying that Rennie's the the, the glue of the band. What what do you see as your role in the band, and has it changed from the start as to what it is now? Well, yeah, but obviously apart from the obvious, like being the guitarist and that, but we're um, I'm adding a bit more, adding a bit more writing, I'm trying mm-hmm. to do a bit more singing and that. That's only really changed over the years, but the, the, the my role in the band is still still as it was back in the day. Do you think um I've spoke to I've had other people in the podcast. I've had uh, Matt Hickman, Brown Bear. I've had yeah. him on the podcast before and he he said about you as um you're kinda like the the father figure of the band. <laughs> you don't take any shit, nobody would mess with you and you, you kinda command respect. Um Well, I don't know. I'm I'm the eldest, so maybe that's how here's the dog on the table again. He gives us loads of shit. The dog, nah. I don't see it like like that. Just that anybody you respect, every everybody should respect each other. Like, do you know what I mean? It's no, I don't no command or anything. It's just, just what our what our best pals. You gotta respect each other, man. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned you mentioned obviously like you're doing a bit more writing. You're and uh, maybe maybe try to sing a bit more. Yeah. Someday Dick Whitten he messaged in and said, going further down the line, would would you think about doing any solo stuff? I would maybe do a side project maybe, but I, I would I'm not sure about fronting it. I'd be I'd be terrified. But you never know, never say never I like it would be good to do something that's a completely different to the view. Trying to flirt and we're like doing like a a dancey or indie kind of thing, but listen, it's not nothing serious. 
Got loads right. of tunes. I'm gonna I'm gonna concentrate on getting Armour ideas and everything sorted. Armour demos done, and then see what I'm after that. To be honest with you, if I, I join any more bands, my bird's gonna kill us. So, <laughs> well, I mean, as I mentioned earlier about all the all the shit that you find online, all the nonsense. That was another thing I found last week. Apparently, you've you released some space rock music. I think it's. Oh, that's the one. He's been somebody's been fucking with the Wikipedia thing, mate. Aye, and I've seen that. I went on and had a listen but to be fair, but it's fucking howling. I thought there's no way you would put your name to that. To, to be fair, why not? Let's let's do a space space rock album. Fuck it. <laughs> so obviously I, I mentioned that I spoke to Kieran a few weeks back and I, I'd say to him at the time I've, I've been listening to the album I've been lucky enough to have the album about two or three months early so I've been listening to it and my favourite song on the album was Allergic to Mornings which Kieran informed me oh, that, that you wrote so you wrote Allergic yeah. to Mornings how, how was it then writing that song, how did it come about and what's kind of the inspiration behind it? Um, well, it's, I first got the, the title God damn, man. I got the title for uh, my mum's got uh, my mum's got this 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 picture up in her house and uh, it says allergic to mornings on it so I was like, oh that's cool, that title so I kind of used that, and it was like allergic to mornings. I was like, took the verses, and then the verses are about like dealing, get dealing with your problems and getting on with it. And it's like you got to keep going. Do you know what I mean? Whatever you're going through, like, so it's like kind of if you're any mental health problems or whatever, just trying. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, and that's it's just basically saying like if you're. If you like, if you're allergic to mornings, get up in the afternoon when you feel good. You know what I mean? But yeah. No, metaphorically, but you know what I mean. It helps me, but I, I don't know if it struck a chord with me because I work night shift. Um, yeah. So I, it's perfect song for me. Um, but I. Uh, so it's not. It's not actually about like. It's not about getting up at the, like that time or anything. It's about like just saying like whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if you're going through or whatever, it's like. There's always something that's going to work for you, so it's like you don't need to. Everybody gets up in, in the morning, does the nine to five. Just you do you and get through it. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of the message behind it. Mm-hmm. So, what what's the plans like going forward? Obviously, we've got a you got a tour coming up, kind of November December time. Um, yeah, I'd imagine then, and next year, you'll be looking at festivals and stuff like that. What what will be yeah. what what do you reckon after that? Would you be looking at a new album or is Kyle gonna do some solo stuff? I mean, we're talking about another album, but we're obviously there's a lot more on the table now. We need to like this it's not just like we're young and we just at a drop a heart go everywhere. Like Kieran's got web on the go, Kyle's got a a musical of a, a songwriting camp of three mm-hmm. bands. I've got the bunny bands, but I definitely think there will be another album. But it's just we'll just need to wait and see. To be honest with you, I would like to go personally. I would like to go in straight off the back and do another in straight away. 
but yeah. we just obviously need to wait. Did were you surprised in any way? Like obviously you did the you did the gigs at Christmas time at Academy and then obviously like doing these gigs, doing the the record store gigs and the the, the gigs you've done the last week. Looking at you on stage. Yeah. Um I think at times you were surprised at the reaction the, the new songs got. I don't know if he's kinda if you were worried about how they were gonna get down. And once once you see how well people have taken to them, it it must kinda it must give that buzz to go and, and record more. I kinda wait to go on this tour and play play some gigs and like play the new tunes and like you say is out and that's these little outdoor gigs we've been doing the strip back stuff. You could if you were a if you were a just come to see us for the first time that night, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But but what was a new song and what was an old song? The reaction was incredible. Like so, and it, it's testament to the album. Do you know what I mean? People are obviously into it. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. do you think then that oh you you mix up the set list a bit more? Like the last maybe. Well, that's the, that's the thing that's getting harder. Hard. Uh, that's Abbey the thing that's getting harder yeah. and harder to make a set list because you've got six albums. Mm-hmm. But so you're, you're obviously not going to please everybody, but the def- there will be two or three new ends in there, and we're going to learn, we're going to do a bit of the album and see what works and try and mix it up. So, and on different nights, we can maybe do different. Newings, and uh, maybe look at dig out a few Aldens that we've not played for a while. Rennie was on about doing Temptation Dice, that might be funny. We've not played that for years, yeah, yeah. That, well, that's just a thing, though. People, people dig these songs, you don't realize how, how much they mean to people. Like, like, have you a, a, a song on an album? Maybe, maybe it's not been a single or whatever, but. It can mean something is someday. It can be it can be the greatest song in the world to someday. So, I to be honest, I would love. Well, I would love today, but I'm not sure if the rest of the boys would be up for it. But my ideal thing would be day six nights at the bars and play every album. Yeah, I I heard you. You were talking about that with with Compton and Wednesday night. I seen it, and I thought, ah, that that would be ideal. Obviously, you you done. I came to see you when you've done the six nights at King Tut's. Yeah. Aye, something like that. That would be brilliant, an album a night at the Barrowlands. I think that, that would be fucking mental. Imagine getting a ticket for every gig of that, man. That, that would be... be uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the rope box night would sell it, though. <laughs> <laughs> what about that, then? Like, what, <coughs> yeah, what would you say was your... Yeah, your, your favourite album to record. Uh, we'll just go well, Obviously, the first thing was amazing because it was like fresh and you never knew what was going on. Then which bitch was too mental? There was too much of everything going on. Mm-hmm. We were just mad wet for the whole session. It was great recording it. Paolo came and that. And there was like a beautiful place we recorded in Wales and that, but that was too much. Too much excess on that. And the third end was a bit. It was a great album, but it was a bit boring. It was like just in a wee room in London, tiny wee box studio, just trying to trying to 
look for the next opportunity to get to the boozer, to get out of this wee box. But it was a great album. And then the four famous in Liverpool were Crossy. That was great and really enjoyed that. Kyle never really enjoyed that experience because I don't know what was going on there, but it wasn't his favourite. But And then Ropebot was good. Good experience, according to what Albert Hammond. But um, obviously the album wasn't that strong and it was a bit rushed. But this this end was what experience the new end recording in Granada in the sun sunshine in the in the mountains probably my any of my favourites definitely up there right so obviously that that was with youth who'd done bread and circuses as well yeah the echo and the bunnyman youth's got a connection to echo and the bunnyman so was it was it youth that kind of introduced you don't want to. He done one of their albums, didn't he? Did he do, do what one was it? Evergreen or no? Wait, Siberia or something? Wait a minute. No, Evergreen. I maybe Siberia. I need to check. Did the quotas on that? But he definitely recorded one. Mac, <laughs> Mac wasn't wasn't feeling it though. It was like in his house in London. It wasn't like a proper. Right. I don't know. He's got a little studio in his house, but if. It, if I was to say to anybody, I would say get out to Spain and do it, and he's big one there. That's immense. Mm-hmm. So I echo in the Bunnyman then. So how did that come about, and and what are the differences then, um, and how how hard is it? Obviously, you've been playing these gigs last week. You played on Wednesday night with a view, and then back yeah. in we echo in the Bunnyman. So how what's the difference with the two bands and how they work and stuff like that? Well, it's like the pace for one. Echo and Bunnyman are a lot slower than the view, and they're more about group a groove. Like it's a mere like a groove, but um, yeah, they're totally different bands. Obviously, Echo and Bunnyman are are uh, totally different to the view, but it's been great. It's been a good challenge, and with this. This past couple of weeks, rehearsing, then view gigs, rehearsing view gigs, it's been quite tough, but it's good. Do you know what I mean? It's challenging. I would be if I wasn't busy, I would would wouldn't be happy. So, is he be dug in again? Happy days. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we touched on career highlights, um, but playing at Celtic Park is a is a playing at Celtic Park for me would be better than. Um, standing on the stage at any gig, what what, <laughs> what, what what do you think about that? It was that was that was unbelievable. It was so honestly just crazy, like Celtic at Celtic Park. Martin O'Neill puts us in the first the starting lineup. And mm-hmm. the I, by the way, I initiated the huddle that day. Right, I was like Tom. What, I was like Boydie, Boydie, come on, what's going on with the huddle? Because I was just want to kick off. Right. I initiated. I don't care what anybody says. That, that was me, and uh, right next to Henry Glasson in the huddle. Honestly, in the best best days ever, my dad and my granddad were in the stands. Emotional day, unbelievable. Pulling on the hoops, and yeah, that because I, I think I watched that one in the telly. They, they used to do them every year, and I went. I went to a couple. I think Louis Tomlinson played one, but. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know why I never went to that. I think it was midweek or something. I couldn't get the time off work, but yeah, uh, it was it was cracking. It was somebody. Uh, John was it John Kennedy? Yeah, it was John I Kennedy. I remember what it was. It was some... And Henrik Larson got a hat. Or some, uh, it was some. Uh, oh, what what a what a day, man! Henrik's such a legend as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you played that. Kyle played as well, but. <laughs> what do you think of Kyle's footballing ability compared to yourself? Kyle's not bad. Not bad. He's like somebody shot him at a catapult or something. <laughs> just like, and he's gone. Just whatever happens, happens. Nah, yeah. Kyle's always, we've always had a wee go at the football. Yeah, he's he's got football in his family, hasn't he? That Lewis Toshney, is that, is that right? Lewis Toshney was his cousin. Yeah, yeah. He's, and, uh, um, we've always, we've always been like Kyle's, Kyle's more into. Well, at least he was. He still has a, a wee game of fives every now and again, but uh, he's been more into playing football than watching it or anything. And he, he, watching football bores him. Mm. So I, I mean, we've had plenty of time here. And um, before I go into heroes, I'll just I'll have a wee look through these questions, but I think I've asked quite a bit anyway. Here, my dog. Yeah. Jumping his toy a bit now, he's up in the world. Uh, Ian Fisher asks, How long how long have you had your Gibson Les Paul special? What year is it and where did you get it? Oof. I think it's 2000 and early 2000s, and I've had it since 2006. Right. And obviously, it's pure. It's been around the world. It's absolutely fucked. It's all like faded and all. It looks great. But uh, Grant Dixon gave us. Well, Grant Dixon sold us it when I when I was seventeen or something for four hundred quid. I'll be worth a bit more than that now. Right, Adam Dickey asks, "What's the hardest song for you to perform live?" Uh, <laughs> well, obviously some of the others, but they're not really. <laughs> They're not really hard for me because I wrote them, so I could only play into my abilities. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Uh, Kerry Ormston, I take it she's related. She asks, "Who who's your favourite cousin?" Who's my favourite cousin? Uh-huh. I love all my cousins equally. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone else have asked. A guy's asking any plans for a show in Perth. It's been a while, but I'd imagine the fact that you've played Dundee, you're probably going to play uh, Perth, two Dundees. Two Dundees, maybe just get under, got on the train through. <laughs> so I, the only other thing I would ask, gig wise, is obviously come Christmas time you're doing. I think he's are doing Dundee, aren't he's Kilmarnock, at Edinburgh. There's still in the still no Glasgow in that list. What's happening? No. Do you think that will get added nearer the time? I see the kind of Christmas Obviously, still we're free. We played uh, we played four shows last year, so it was like we we sold sold a lot of tickets in Glasgow. So we're maybe gonna maybe gonna need to wait till the summer, maybe next year, or I don't know. Watch your space. You never know. It might might something might happen uh-huh. towards the end of the year, but. And books just now. You know what people are like uh, when they're itching for a itching for a Glasgow gig. Um, yeah. And the the other thing with that, obviously, I, I went to see the Snuts 
last one for SWG3. And yeah. all I could think about is why, why is the view never had their own kind of standalone gig like that? Like, you've done your six nights at Tuts, your four nights at Academy, you've, you've done all of that, but the view yeah. are the one band that are probably Watch, deserving of their big gig, you know what I mean? We're, going to, we're, we're obviously going to try and plan something that's a bit bigger and try and get to another level, but there's nothing booked just now and we'll just, we'll maybe, we'll just need to wait and see. We'll speak to the powers that be and get something sorted. Brilliant. Fingers crossed, man. Um, so, I, as, as I said at the, the start, the podcast called Time for Heroes. And yeah. I asked my guests to pick four heroes to come for dinner. Um, why they're your heroes and also what would you cook them as well so I um, right okay well obviously obviously we would hear uh, Henrik Larsen there brilliant Henrik for the football stories then um, we'd hear I'd hear George Harrison because we've got to hear Beatle and he's my favourite he's my favourite Beatle um, then I would hear Billy Conley mm-hmm. just for it because it would be a Hey, good laugh with Bill, and then uh, and again, I was struggling on the fourth end, but maybe a big and again, Al Pacino or something, a big actor, something, some get some good stories. He's in my favorite actor, so and I don't think there would be much eating going on with that squad. I don't know, I think, I think there'd be a lot more drinking than eating, so I'd probably just get the get the drinks out, <laughs> right? That's brilliant. Obviously, I've done. This is season two of the podcast. Kieran was on the last episode of season one. So I've done like 52 episodes. Enric Larson's never ever been picked. Al Pacino's Pacino never ever been picked. So what I do as well is I do like a league table. So this is the start of season two. So hopefully we'll get more people picking Enric Larson um, or any other Celtic. Yeah, hopefully, mate. But aye. Um, absolute pleasure having you on. I know you need to get away, you get me over here to go in the bunnyman. Um so I pleasure having you on. You know, go. Sorry. I'm going right to going to rehearsal right now. <laughs> what a day. Jump in the car and go now. So cheers for having us on, mate. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes Podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes Podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others, and more importantly, enjoy.
Change.